0: recently come back from New York. We were, uh, us and the team were in, in, in New York and in Olean, New York this past weekend. And uh, Olean means the oil. It means the oil. So we were there for a, a crusade revival called Revival Harvest America. Revival Harvest America. <clears throat> and I'm going to share some things that happened on that, on that trip. But what the Lord really put in my heart this morning is to talk about being positioned for the harvest. To be positioned. Oh, awesome, thank you. Being positioned for the harvest. <clears throat> and I want to say this. One vision is enough to change a nation. It really is. One vision is enough to change a nation. <clears throat> and as I sat back when we were in New York, I have a really good friend of ours, Todd Todd Bentley. The Lord gave him a vision. He gave him a vision for a stadium crusade in America. Now, now we see, we've seen revivals hit Africa. We've seen revivals hit, you know, Pakistan. And they're seeing revival. Thousands and millions of people are, are attending. And there's a move of God. But we're not seeing that kind of result here in America. <clears throat> we can do a conference. and we can, we can have a conference and bring a speaker in. But are we truly seeing a move of God here in America? <clears throat> So the Lord gave him, a, gave him a vision to get a stadium. The Lord gave him only in New York. Now listen, only in New York had a population of maybe like 14,000 people. It was like whole, nobody was even in this city. And I, I watched as God moved. They came, they dropped out these semi-trucks and we're in the middle of a stadium And it's beautiful. I mean, there's huge production. Thousands and thousands of dollars. Listen, probably over $100,000 were spent to bring this crusade to New York. With nothing promised, but just a vision. Every night I saw, as we we minister, we're doing the media, we saw people get saved every night. 21 night, 30 the next night, then another 30 the following night. You see, when revival comes, when real revival begins to hit a place, the region becomes impacted. The city will become transformed. Thousands of people came, hundreds of people came from all over the United States, from Australia. People were coming in to be a part of this just to serve. You know, some people will say, Well, I don't know what my vision is. I don't, I don't know what vision is. Then what you do is you line yourself up with those who have vision, and God will birth the vision inside of you as you begin to serve the vision of God through others. So we go and we're there, and and I remember one 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 the first night, I'm sorry, the second night. There was a lady. There was a witch. You know, when you start doing things in mass crusades, guess what? The witches and the warlocks and all those people, they begin to show up. And if you don't think that they do, no, let me, they do. They show up. Alice and, and myself can tell you that almost almost 80% of the meetings that we go and we travel, the witches show up and they sit in the back seats and they do their incantations until the power of God shows up and they're, had, they're expelled out. But they show up. <clears throat> so there was a lady, This I don't even want to call her a witch because that's not what she is, but she was a practicing witch. She's sitting there and she's she, she plops herself right by one of our cameras. So she's in a long flowing dress. She, she's got all of her makeup on and just... Just looking really wild and she's not wearing any underpants she's not wearing any underwear and she's got this dress on and as the power of God begins to move and people are being set free during the altar call this witch goes up and she begins to dance provocatively she lifts up her skirt showing her goods turning around doing this dance being seductive. It was a demonic assignment of what God was trying to do. It really was. So they go and they try to love on her. She starts cursing them, literally cursing them with curses, to the point where the police had to come and, and escort her out. So as she's leaving the, 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 the baseball stadium, she's cursing and she's she's coming against the people. She leaves. The next day, one of the brothers is, uh, that's part of the crusade there was driving through the city. And he just so happened to drive by a house where this practicing witch lived. And she's sitting in front of her house in a bikini. And she literally had skulls. They said that she had skulls and skeletons on her property. Now, mind you, it's not Halloween. So they go, and as he's passing by this house, a word of knowledge comes for this woman. He has a prophetic word he's going to release to this woman about her identity and her purpose. So he goes and he pulls over to the side to go and speak to this woman. She goes and she runs inside, slams the door. Finally, they go and he's able to speak to her, release his identity, and begins to pray for her, gives her the prophetic word, And then he just loved on her. He just loved on her. Gave her Jesus. And he left. Sunday morning, we're back at the crusade. This practicing witch decides to show up again. This time, she's dressed different. She's not doing the things she did before. But there was a call that went out. There was a cry that went out for revival. If anybody in here doesn't know Jesus, and you want to know who Jesus is, today's a brand new day. Jump up to your feet and come to the front. Now listen, it wasn't like you just, it was like run to the altar, run to the front. Because see, there's there's an anticipation, there's a hunger, there's a passion and a desire for more of God. This lady stands up and runs to the altar, falls to her feet, and gives her life to the Lord. Come on. And even if it was for that one person, because see, vision, vision will change a nation. You know, we go and we... I remember uh, how many people were we expecting. I, I don't know 8,000, 10,000. The potential. How many people actually showed up? Maybe throughout the entire weekend. Maybe 800 the first night, maybe 1,000 the second night. Maybe 20 maybe 2,000 people total, I don't know. Show up. But see there were seeds that were planted. Because the vision, when God gives you a vision, you will change a nation. Listen, I remember sitting in a room with a group of kids between the ages of 12 years old and 16. And the Lord gave us this vision about radio. And he gave us like this. And I didn't know nothing about nothing. I was a web designer, web developer. That's what I did. That was my business. If you would have told me anything about any kind of media, I'm like, I don't know nothing. And I'm there in this room with these kids. And the Lord said, tell them to close their eyes and to ask me for a name. Because, see, the Lord gave me this vision about a radio, a radio station. He says, tell them to close their eyes and ask me. So I said, everybody close your eyes in here. And everybody close their eyes. And I said, ask the Lord for a name for what we're going to do here. You see, sometimes we got to go back to the original vision. so I asked the kids to pray and they closed their eyes and then one student says I keep hearing Air Jesus I keep hearing Radio Air Jesus so we named our radio station Radio Air Jesus I never in my mind in my heart's desire thought about doing a radio station to me, we're in a small, a small Hispanic church in the middle of San Antonio, Texas. My youth group was the size of my hand. But God saw value. He saw value and vision. You see, when God gives you the vision, he'll bring the provision for it. Some of us in this place, God has given you vision. He has. Whether it's for ministry, whether it's for business, whatever it looks like for you, God has given you vision. That is a seed that the Lord puts inside of you. It is imputed into you and I the righteousness of heaven. And the righteousness is the seed. But the devil comes to come to devour and take that seed from you. The devil seeks to destroy you. But vision supersedes in the attack. You see, when the Lord gave us the vision for us, We had no idea what it was going to look like. We we went through a season, and I've shared this before, but I went through a season, me and my wife and my family went through a season where we were really hurt and we were really offended in church. We were offended by the leaders. We were immature. I'm saying we were immature. I was immature. Immature. I reacted out of emotion. I felt everything that they said was an attack towards us. Mind you, it might have been. But I'm responsible the way I respond. And then I left the church. And me and my wife left. And It had been several years, and we're doing our own ministry now. We're helping people build. We're building a ministry. We're building a church, and God is doing amazing things. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting in my office one day, and I go into an encounter, and I begin to see all kinds of amazing things. I saw the maps, and I saw the nations, and I saw cameras, and I saw people, and deliverance, and healing. But everything that I saw had nothing to do with me. Everything I saw was for the place that I was hurt and offended at. And I remember I had to pick up the phone to call the pastor and said, Pastor, I had an encounter with the Lord, and this is what I saw. Will you allow me to go and do what God showed me in your place? And the pastor looks, and he he tells me on the phone, in Spanish. She says, mijo, if the Lord showed you that, then please come and do what the Lord showed you to do. Mind you, I was still hurt. I was still offended. But I went, and me and my wife went, and we served, and we walked in a season of humility, not worried about ourselves, Not looking for promotion. Not looking for the attaboys. Just looking to see God do something. And in that season, we positioned ourselves. You see, this this morning, our title is called Positioned for the Harvest. Positioning ourselves in a place to be a part of the harvest. When we said yes to God, we positioned ourselves. And as we positioned ourselves, the favor of heaven was released upon us that led us to a little bitty room with a group of kids which birthed our ministry. 132 nations later, God exploded this thing. We never would have thought, never would have thought better get to my message, right? (laughs) Because see, when we position ourselves for the harvest, we'll see God move on our behalf in every aspect of our life. You need breakthrough in your marriage? You position yourself for the harvest. You need breakthrough in finances? You position yourself. Addictions, deliverance, restoration—whatever you need, when you allow yourself to be positioned, God will do the rest. I remember I had an encounter one time, and I saw, I saw the hand of the Lord coming, and He would grab somebody, pick them up, move them, and drop them off. I said, Lord, what are you doing? He says, I'm positioning the bride. I'm getting them ready for the harvest. I'm getting them ready for for what I have for them in this season. And then I went in, and, and then I began to see the Lord go, and he grabbed somebody, picked them up, and as he's picking them up, they went and they grabbed the arms of the chair. And they wouldn't let themselves go up. They were holding on to things of the past, because they were afraid to step into what God had for them. You see, the Lord wants to position us. but so we hold on to old things. We hold on to old patterns. We hold on to old, old belief systems. We hold on to things in our past. We hold on to the whispers of the enemy. And we, we, we get com- comfortable playing church. We get comfortable playing church. You know, some people will leave a church building because it goes past the 30-minute mark. Where's the hunger? We have to position ourselves for the more. We can't ask for a move of God. We can't ask for revival. We can't ask any of these things and we don't even allow ourselves to be positioned Lord, set my marriage free. Lord, save my husband. Lord, break him of addictions. But you only want to do, do a two-minute prayer. Where's the sacrifice? Where are the laid-down lovers at? Where are those that say, I will contend for you. Where are they? Where are the fathers? Sometimes it takes tough love. But we have to allow God to do the stretching, to do the pulling. Because God wants the more for you. He doesn't want you in the condition that you're in. He wants us to be on fire for the more of God. The power, the glory that everywhere we go, it's Jesus. Everywhere. Listen. What comes out of you when you're being pressed? Is it trash? Is it dirty water? Is it crap? Yeah, crap. I said it again. It's truth. What comes out of you in the time of pressing? We can put a show on. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Come on. We have to allow ourselves to be positioned. Vision will change the world. Got a couple scriptures. So good, you know. I feel the Lord is birthing some in something right now. Some of you, I feel the pain like the Lord is, like, literally, I feel like the Lord is impregnating you with vision right now vision for a nation, vision for the body, vision for the bride. Zechariah 4.10 says this. Zechariah 4.10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. The Lord moved us from Texas to Ohio. And I can look on a Thursday night, there'll be two people in this big, huge building. And the enemy wants us to be discouraged. But Zechariah 4.10 says, Do not despise the days of small beginnings. Because he's faithful. The Lord is faithful in all things. You see, the Lord is only looking for our yes. He's only looking for our yes this morning. He's not asking you how much religion or how much theology or how you can prophesy or how gifted and talented you are. He just says, I just want your yes. He's not picky. For God's sakes, look at the disciples. Think about that. They were thieves. They were like, they wanted to fight everybody. They were fishermen. So that means they had sailors' mouths. They were cursing everywhere they went. God's not picky. But He told them, Leave your stuff behind and follow me. Leave your stuff behind and follow me because I'm going to show you the things that you've never seen before. And they did. They followed vision because they didn't know what they were getting into. They had no idea they were going to see what they saw. But something in them, something in Jesus Bubbled out. You see, God, He's already given you and I the permission. God has said, Go. Isn't that your word, Daniel? Go. But he said, go. Mark 16, verse 14 says this. Still later he appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating together. He rebuked them for their stubborn and unbelief. Because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he was raised from the dead. And then he told them listen, this is key. Jesus just rebuked the disciples. He rebuked them and said, What's the matter with you? He corrected them, he set them straight, he brought order. To the unbelief, what they were thinking wasn't lined up with heaven. So Jesus had to come and rebuke their way of thinking. But right after the rebuke, he blesses them. He says, Now go. Into the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe, they will cast out demons in my name, they will speak in the new languages. They will handle snakes and safely drink anything poisonous and they won't hurt them. They will be able to place things in their hands and the sick, they will place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Jesus rebukes them, corrects them, then he tells them go. He says now go. He's positioning the disciples. He was positioning them, saying, Listen, we got to get our things right. We have to get things in order. Now that we're in order, now go. You've got permission this morning to go. The Lord told you, go. You see, when Jesus says, Go, because he's already gone before you. He's already done it. So he's saying for you to go. And did you know that when you go, that his goal is already connected to the promise? His goal is connected to a promise. The promise is in Matthew 28, 19. Matthew 28, 19 says this, and here's that word again, go. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Ah. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. And here's the promise. And I am with you always. Till the end of the age. No matter what you're going through, He is with you. to the very end. Matthew 10 10.7 10, says this. Go! <laughs> Come on. Holy Ghost. Out of mouth of the babes. Let that be a prophetic sign that even the babes will say, go. It says in Matthew 10.7, it says, go. And announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. What does that look like? When it says, Go and announce the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I visualize (laughs) it's funny. Because we went yesterday and we had a steak. We took the team out and we went to, to Fort Wayne and we just had a good time with the family and team. So we go out and we come out of the steakhouse. And, we, and I'm very happy and loud sometimes. And there's a whole lot of people waiting to get in the restaurant. There was a line of people inside. I mean, there was, it must have been about 50 people all around. And I walk out, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I said, that was some good steak up in there. And my wife looks at me and says, oh, my God. I can't take you anywhere. And everybody was there like, Yeah. And then right after I said that, I said, "Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost." And people, I turned back to see who was looking at me. There was a couple of people that looked at me. They're like, "Yeah, Holy Ghost." What does it look like when you go and you proclaim the king? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what it looks like to boldly proclaim. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That everywhere we go, we walk in the power and the authority of the kingdom. Oh, wow, child. God just wants to position us for the harvest. Let go of the arms of the chair. Let go. Get out of our minds. Get into his heart. Let the very essence of who you are just flow through the heartbeat of Jesus. There was a man named George Whitfield, And I'm going to give you just a couple of people really quick because, see, these are revivalists. These are people that That allowed themselves to be positioned by God, and there was mighty exploits that came out of, with them saying yes. There was a man named George Whitfield who lived between the years of 1714 and 1770. He was the catalyst for the first Great Awakening that swept through America and Great Britain. He said yes to God. And because he said yes, the Lord used George Whitfield to change the nation, not just America, but Britain. And this was a move of God that mobilized and emphasized the power and the authority of the kingdom of heaven. And there were souls and salvations that came from his yes. From the positioning. William Branham in the 1940s. He was the one that the Lord used as a prophetic voice and the voice of healing revivals. Such a powerful anointed king that a lightning rod of heaven would shoot The Lord used them in such a way to bring reformation and healing in the prophetic movement. And it transformed a nation in the 40s. People like Oral Roberts. William and Catherine Booth. This is really awesome. I was reading last night. You see, William and Catherine Booth, they were... They allowed the Lord to position themselves. On May 27th in 1860, that's a long time ago. You know, even today, you know there's still people that have a problem with women behind the pulpit. They really do. And it's so sad. They have a problem with a woman being a pastor, a woman being a preacher. And I'm going to tell you what, that is a big lie. I, I, I can honestly say that, that we are in a season where the Lord is bringing the women to the front line. Come on, and we need to, we need to allow that to be the truth. But in 1860, they were preparing for a mass outdoor crusade. Over a thousand people had come to hear William Booth minister. And his wife, Catherine, was sitting in the back. And the Lord began to speak to her. And he tells her, You need to get up and you need to speak. So she leaps out of her, her chair. I mean, she leaps out of her chair. And says, I have a word. That was a big, bold move. Back then. Because that wasn't allowed. But her husband knew. The word was the Lord. So she comes forth. And she begins to give a word to the thousands of people. Now, mind you, can you imagine all the darts and the accusations that were coming towards her because she was doing what she was doing? She says, first of all, I need to repent. I'm repenting of my sin. She says, I've been disobedient to God because he's been giving to me a word that I'm supposed to share but because I've been listening to the whispers. That's what she says. I was listening to the whispers and the murmurs of the people around me. But I stopped myself from doing what God called me to do. So I repent and here's the word. She went on to preach. When she's done, Her husband grabs a mic and he says, from this day, she is the woman preacher. You see, she positioned herself for the harvest. She allowed God to move in her life. I'm going to give us five tips, six tips. And I'm going to close this out. Jesus. You guys okay? Hmm. Okay? These are keys to living a life positioned for the harvest. Number one. Submission. Jesus submitted and yielded to the leadership of his heavenly Father. Do we? Do we submit? Number two, servanthood. You see, Jesus was marked with servanthood. Jesus knew where He came from and He knew where He was going. And because He knew His identity and who He was, He knew where He came from and He knew where He was going. And because He knew, He was able to serve. John 13, 3 says this, Jesus knew that the Father had given Him the authority over everything. And that he had, he had come from God and that he would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin and he began to wash the feet of his disciples. He began to dry them with the towel that he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. You see, Jesus knew who he was. And because he knew his identity, he was able to submit and he was able to serve others around him. He, he hurt when others hurt it. He felt the pain when other people had pain. Number three. Seriousness. I just feel the, the presence of the Lord, Holy Spirit. Let the winds begin to blow, God. Let Your presence begin to flow in this place, God. Jesus took life very serious. He was the one to identify Himself with people when people were hurting. Jesus hurt. When people rejoiced, Jesus rejoiced. When you're going through a bad day and you're 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 broken and you're hurt and you're you're crying out, the Lord is there and he feels that pain. He doesn't want that for you. When you're happy and you're full of joy, he's full of joy. He's like, oh, that's it. Yeah. You got it. He rejoices in our joy. Do we follow this pattern? Ask yourself this question Do I hurt when others hurt? Do I rejoice when others are rejoicing? Or do I get envious when somebody gets a new car? God, I don't have a car. What about when somebody gets blessed? Man, Lord, I've been doing all this. I gave up my whole family. And I don't even get blessed. Well, maybe that's why you're not getting blessed. Maybe that's why, because you're murmuring and complaining. Do we follow the Lord? Do we follow His example? Number four. I'm almost done, guys. Number four. Remember, we're going to the keys of living a life, being positioned for the harvest. Number four is Supernatural. Supernatural. Jesus was marked by the supernatural. Everywhere he went, signs and wonders followed. His disciples found that as they followed Jesus, signs and wonders followed them. As you begin to position yourself for the harvest the supernatural things of god will follow you are you following him this morning do the supernatural things of god do they follow you are you seeing miracles signs and wonders are you seeing people set free? Are you seeing souls come to the Lord? We should be. Number uh, the last one., oh, I got two more. I'm sorry. Specific purpose. To know the purpose that God has given you in your life. See, Jesus had a specific purpose in his life. His purpose was to come to save the lost and destroy the works of the devil. That was his purpose. To die for the sins of us. That he would be resurrected from the dead. That he would reign supreme in heaven. He came to save you and I. Have you sought the Lord for what's your purpose? This morning, ask yourself that question. What is my purpose, God? What do you have for me today? What do you have in my life? There has to be more, God, than just going to church. How do I become active? How do I become that person to do what you've called me to do? And the last one sacrifice. Jesus was marked by His sacrifice. He came to give something for the sake of something else. There was an exchange that was being made. There was an exchange that took place that day on Calvary. even knowing that people would reject him, even knowing that people would turn away from God, even knowing that people would deny him and turn away from him, he still knew his purpose, his sacrifice. Hey, Alice, is there anything you want to share? So let's stand. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, this morning, God, we position ourselves this morning, Lord. We position ourselves for the harvest. To see you move in this nation, God. Lord, the prayer and the cry this week was, You're not done with America. Lord, you're not done with this nation, God. Lord, we declare, God, Your goodness in this place. We declare revival in this nation. We declare revival in our own lives, God. Revive us, God. Wake up the dry bones. This morning, Lord, we position ourselves, Lord,